0: Welcome back everybody to another episode of Woody Adjacent right here as part of the Woody Allen Retrospective Podcast I'm your host, Donald Wanda, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host with the most, James Daniel Walsh. Buddy, sir, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm not doing too bad. I'm not doing too bad. Ladies and gentlemen and others listening, if the audio sounds different, then it's because we're using a different platform. We're using Zencaster today. We're trying to give it a go because from a technical note, Zoom stopped that, you know, unlimited calls between two people. So now we've had to move to a different provider. So if it sounds a bit weird, then, you know, bear with us. And if it sounds horrible, then we'll go back to Zoom and I'll just do painful editing like I always do. Anyway, <laughs> that's uh, besides the point. On the last recording, the last episode, we spoke about that Judy Deppley directed the written movie Two Days in New York with Chris Rock. James, is that correct? That is correct, sir. We spoke about that one, we will put, um, well, you can follow our podcast through subscribing to the podcast on Apple, iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, all the links, we've also got great little clips on Manic Expression, the YouTube channel, we will put a link down below. Um, yeah, James, it's been a great transition, I like how things are going, and um, this time I'm gonna, Or you know what, on the last episode we didn't actually announce This movie that we're talking about today, because quite frankly, it's impossible to stream. It's a very old, very dated movie, but it's a movie that has always been in my mind, like every other movie I recommend. And James, if you don't mind telling the audience what it is, we'll go from there.
1: Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about the 1997 romantic comedy, Have Plenty, from uh, writer, director and star
0: Christopher Scott Sherratt. Yep. There are some famous cameos at the end of the movie, which has always been surprising to me. Like, Why are they in the movie? Very, very strange. But um, yeah, this is, there's so many reasons I bought up this movie. So I will say for the record, I've rewatched this movie multiple times because I find it funny. Dated. I love watching movies from the 90s just because I want to see the aesthetic. I'm kind of... I know it's cringy now to be one of those guys living in the past, but the 90s are like, was my golden year. So I love seeing movies from the 90s. It was a different time. Now, the reason I brought up this movie is because black cinema in the 90s was mostly known for a lot of crime, or I think. It's my it's my opinion, not everyone's opinion, that a lot of the black cinema in the 90s was focused on either crime dramas, drug dramas, or really slapstick comedy from the Waynes Brothers. And it was neither. There was no in-between. And then you get a couple of movies like this one, which was kind of more modern, a bit more down-to-earth, and was a somewhat middle-class black American. And it was... This movie that was playing a lot during the late two, well, early two thousand, late nineties that wasn't like the rest, and I just want to give the movie spotlight because there is a lot about it I like, there is a lot about it I don't like, and I do think that director put his life in this story because it's apparently based on a true story. And yeah, I've always had fond memories of the movie, but let me stop there and say to you, James, how did you feel about Have Plenty? And you know, have you heard this movie before at all? I feel like I have heard of this movie before. Uh, I, I don't think I'd seen it, but
1: I do remember... Like, I recognized the poster. I remember the title. It came out uh, in, you're right, that sort of golden period. Of, you know, uh, I'm sorry to say, uh, Miramax. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, everybody. Don't be triggered. But Miramax made a lot of good movies around this time. Oh. And... Um, it actually, you were talking about the aesthetic. It reminded me a lot of Chasing Amy. Mm,
0: yeah,
1: uh, it has that sort of grainy feel to it. You know, they didn't have a lot of money to work with. It reminded me of that, and I, I, I like that period of uh, cinema as well. Uh, I had a very strange reaction to this movie mm. because I can say, like, of all the movies we've watched. I think I liked the main character in this more than anybody else from any of the movies that we've watched. uh, I thought that Christopher Scott is, he's uh, uh, he was warm. He was funny. He was likable. He's uh, somebody who like, I could see like I'd, I'd hang out with this guy in real life. I hated everybody else in this movie. Yeah. Every single other person in this movie, I hated, but I liked him and I kept kind of, this is the first movie that we've watched that I was talking to the screen. I was like, what are you doing? Why are you staying? Leave. It was like, I was watching a horror movie. I was just like, get out of the room, leave. <laughs> and um, it was it was interesting i you're right it you know this period of time black cinema was uh boys in the hood and menace to society
0: yeah.
1: and or it was the Waynes brothers making you know don't be a menace to south central
0: exactly exactly <laughs> so
1: this this was uh the the fact that the characters are black is incidental hmm. in it which that is refreshing to watch a movie where it's just sort of like, these are just people living their lives. And there's no sort of message to the movie. It's not trying to comment on any kind of bigger societal thing. It's just one guy who decided to make a movie about a period of time in his life. And in that way, it was very entertaining. I just disliked, all of the people surrounding the main character who in fairness I don't know that I was supposed to like them.
0: Yeah. You know, I will say that these kind of you know, one genre of movies that I have a particular disdain for is the holiday movie. Any movie where people are getting together for the holidays and it's you know there's a clash between family and friends is so try, it's so overdone. And of you know in modern times it's done with a lot of high profile celebrities. So it's a bit more genuine when you've got no-name actors interacting with each other. And as you said, Scott, or um, Lee Plenty, as the character's name goes, he reminds me of you, James. He's a writer, he's a straight talker, and he calls shit out Mm -hmm. most times, you know. And, you know, he's got that Woody Allen talking to the the audience thing, and he's in control of the narrative, and I, I liked it a lot but watching it now you you can see that um there's a lot of other movies that were again very middle american black like love jones or the best man you know and those are they're more presentable the the budget is a lot more and you know the actors more but i will say as you said the main actor is very charismatic and his reaction to everyone else who you can argue that, you know, we've got this R&B cheater, he's a stereotype. You've got the main girl, which is a stereotype of a crazy woman, which he calls out sisters, all these women. Oh, you know, it's it's frustrating that there are those stereotypes. But again, because he's so relatable, and to be honest with you, it ages so well because he really calls out everything. Like mm-hmm. the audience member, like when you said you were talking to the screen, everything you think he says as well, and that's what I think ages the movie well. Um, another thing for me that elevates the movie is that because it's a true story, and I'm I don't want I don't really wanna get into spoilers, but I will say by the end of the movie, there's a big meta element mm-hmm. of what's going on. And to me, there's a personal message about what he's done with his life and this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. This movie I think at the end, he questions whether he sold out even making this movie in real life. And that always amuses me. I think that's a very amusing take to have on it. And it's kind of cheesy. But Mm -hmm. again, it always made me for all those years doing something like this. I think it's it's clever and always made this movie stand out. And I'm not surprised that when I went on, especially Rotten Tomatoes, audience scores were very favorable for the movie. Critics, not so favorable in the movie. So, yeah, I'll speak a bit more about it, James, but I'll, I'll let you um, interject as well. Well, I was looking
1: at the reviews of it, and Roger Ebert said uh, that this is basically an amateur movie. Yeah. And, yeah, that's, it feels like that's what it is. This guy had very little money to work with. I think it said that, you know, he borrowed money from his mom to make it. Uh, this is back in the day when, you know, guys like him and Kevin Smith, they would just max out their credit cards yeah. and make a movie. The movie is weird in a lot of ways. Like, I I don't understand the character motivations behind really anybody, including the main character. Um, because you're right, he's a straight talker. He tells it how it is, but he has surrounded himself with people who are the antithesis it's yeah. almost like he surrounded himself with people that he can look down on because this is supposed to be allegedly based on a true story and uh they even you know he even apparently told people who the the actual woman was in real life which she's like an executive at a, like a record label or something yeah um there's stuff in this movie that just sort of baffled me There's one moment where, you know, the the plot of the movie is, is that, you know, Lee Plenty is this down on his luck writer who's basically homeless right now. And he's staying at the house. He's house sitting for the woman that he's in love with who doesn't love him back. And then she calls him up and says, hey, why don't you come over for New Year's Eve to my family's house? And he does. And she treats him so terribly that I don't know why he loves her. And there's never a moment in the movie to let me understand it. Like, he just he just loves her. He just does. And it's like, well, why? She's not funny. She's, I mean, she's very pretty. But, you know, the other women in the movie are very pretty, too. Yeah um equally i would say equally pretty i mean she's not charismatic she's kind of a horrible person which the movie acknowledges the movie is not trying to say this person is so wonderful look at how you know where we could all understand why he's in love with her the movie says oh yeah she's kind of a horrible person so why should i care then like why should i because I would get frustrated with the main character who I like, but I, in the way that you would with a friend who was in a bad relationship, and you'd be like, man, why are you still with this girl? You
0: know? Yeah, I, I do want to say in the 90s, I don't think they really wrote female characters as well as they do today. No. And one, to answer your question, because I've watched this movie multiple times, you know, the, the lady's sister does divulge that basically she's his high school crush that from when he went to high school, he was writing yeah. her love letters for all this time. So he's had a long time crush on her, but when the movie starts, he's kind of, I wouldn't say he's in denial, but it's like, cause he knows the feeling isn't reciprocated. He's kind of cold and doesn't really want to expose himself. So they have this kind of biting friendship where he just calls around and he's hanging around. And you know, it's like, He's judging her a lot, especially with her current boyfriend, the r yeah. superstar. So he's very judgy, but, you know, you don't really see that side to her, which he fell in love with, you know? And like you said, she comes off as a super bitch, as a friend, as a sister, comes up as an idiot, as a partner because her boyfriend is obviously cheating on her. But, I, you know, I, I wonder how this would be written today and bringing Woody Allen into this. He's such a great writer for women. You know, I think he would have, as he's done with most of his female characters, made us fall in love with her as well, like Woody Allen does with all his other movies, which is a failing of this movie. But in saying that, in the 90s, there was rare directors like Woody Allen that knew how to write female characters, you know? So Mm. most characters writing women didn't know what they were doing. And this movie is super stereotypical. In fact, my favourite part of the movie... Is one of is actually the most stereotypical funny parts of the movie. You know, and i you know, I don't know how you guys can watch the movie. You'll probably have to buy it on DVD of eBay, but it's a little bit of a spoiler. I'm gonna play the clip because it's, it's honestly one of my favorite parts of the movie. When they're in bed, they seem like things are gonna go in a positive direction. And they go sideways because this lady is I don't know what to say, mental or something. She's
1: playing, she's playing
0: mind games with him. Well, let me play the clip because this is a great clip. And then uh, we'll come back after this. This is the only clip i got for this movie anyway. So let's have a listen. Lee. Yeah? I'm not going
1: to let you make
0: love to me. Are you angry? No. You're not
1: angry? No. What's the
0: matter? Lee, I know you don't know this about me, but I'm a freak. Uh
1: Uh-huh. So?
0: (sighs) So that's how I am. That's how I think. When I'm in somebody's arms, I want to feel like the sexiest bitch alive. And if I don't, then I don't want to be in their arms.
1: So you're saying that because I'm not getting angry, you don't feel sexy?
0: I'm sorry. That's just how I think. (sighs) Why
1: don't you go read up on how freaks are and how we think? Now you're telling me to read a book on freaks because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Was this a mistake? If you have to ask me that, yeah, this was a mistake. Are you angry? Yes. Good. Well, maybe you should go get some sleep because we do have to get up early. Good night. Oh, turn the lights out when you leave. Man, I just walked right into that power trip. I can't believe I just fell for
0: that. You think I'd have learned by now. Here's the thing. I genuinely, I find it funny, but uh, I know I'm going to get shit for saying this, but growing up with a lot of, I'm going to say black girls that I dated, uh, that's the kind of mind games play played on me. So mm. it was just reaffirming a negative stereotype. I was like, oh, bro. <laughs> like bro, I lived that life. So I, I like the fact the maybe put that in there, to be perfect, mm. honestly, because I'm like, that's just how some women are. It's not right, and it is, you know, stereotypical, but some people are like that. So I just thought that was funny.
1: <laughs> it was like, I, I've i known women like that too. The difference being for me, like, I, what I it's what I kept wanting him to do. I kept wanting him to just, okay, get up, turn off the light. Like she asked you to walk out of the room, get in your car and drive away. You know, why are you still there? Like that is such a horrible way to treat somebody. And like on the one hand, he is calling it out. He's like, you're, you're acting crazy. This is like, you know, why are you behaving this way? But then he just stays and he just, puts up with it. And this is after all, you know, that's not even in my opinion, the worst thing she does to him. Yeah, sure. Um, And, you know, there's one moment in the movie where I think it's supposed to be cute. I think it's the closest he gets to like making her a character, like where we're supposed to understand why he likes her, which she sneaks into his room and starts blatantly going through his things. <laughs> like it, I think it's supposed to be cute and we're supposed yeah. to go, Oh, she really does kind of like him. And I'm just thinking, get out of this stuff. What are you doing? <laughs> but he's got a stack of books and he, she starts opening up the books and in one of the books, there's a photograph of him.
0: Yeah.
1: And he is, it's like a police photograph. He's beaten to a pulp in the picture. Yeah.
0: Ooh, yeah,
1: and the pictures never explained. And I'm I'm like, okay, did he get jumped, or is this him when he was younger, and maybe he's from an abusive home? Mm. Um, they never really explain it, not at all. But then later on, like he goes into the room where she's, you know, going through his stuff, and to tell her something. We'll get into what he tells her, but yeah. he he tells her something. He's completely honest about a moment because he doesn't want there to be any confusion about, like, you know, what happened. She stands up and she punches him. After we have seen the picture of him all beat up. And I'm just thinking, this guy is so used to getting smacked around. He's so Mm. used to being treated like shit. And that's why he's still here. And she knows that. She just looked at this picture and it made me hate her. Yeah, it made me like genuinely like hate this character's guts, to where by the end of the movie, and again, we're not going to get into too much of like what the the meta twist is at the end of the movie, but you know, you think that he's gonna like that he's gonna say, "I'm over it, I'm past it, I'm done with you," and she basically. And I could see like they you know, I could see the wheels in her head turning where she's like, "You're not done with me until I tell you you're done with me." And she lures him back in. Hmm. And it just made me think and the the studio notes, again, from you know, hashtag harvey Weir- Weinstein <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, was we want a happier ending. Mm. And this was not a happier ending. The, them ending up together is not a happier ending because nothing but terrible things can come from him being with her. And that's the big failing of the movie: is you can have her be a horrible character. You don't. Not every you know romance has to be the same thing where yeah. you know you're where it's Annie Hall, where in you know Diane Keaton is crazy, but we we fall in love with her along with Woody. You Mm -hmm. know, we understand what Woody sees in her. Christopher Scott Chirot does not give us any idea why he would feel this way for this woman because she's just awful.
0: Yeah. Uh, You know, again, I just feel I've known to be perfectly honest with you. I've I've dated a woman just like this. And I I can't say what the attraction is. Again, I can't even say it. It can't just be this her whole personality to to, to fall for. There's got to be more to it. Now, the girl that I dated like this, there was a lot more to her. Like, for as aggressive she was, or as bitchy as she was, her loving side was just as strong, you know? Mm-hmm. And she knew she had those feelings. Now, as you said in the movie, he's not the only one calling her out. She has a big thing with her sister, and her sister really calls her out on it as well. You know, funny enough, not a lot of, especially black movies, they didn't really even go into that kind of dynamic that much. Not until the mid-2000s. I guess it just wasn't, well, you know what? I feel like I was about to dive into a whole other topic about black cinema not getting a lot of movies anyway. It's like, stick to your lane. Stick to the comedies, stick to the dramas, the crime dramas. But once you start getting into these, you know, it took a while for a lot of these to come up. And even now, I can't say I can see a lot of these kind of black middle-class relationships. I really wanted to know if this woman was the love of his life. If he's still with her today, I kind of wanted to know why he decided to tell the story. Now, as I said before, there's been a lot of these seasonal movies. Oh, the family get together. Oh, chaos ensues when there's so many misunderstandings and this ex comes and this misunderstanding and this crazy cousin or this crazy uncle. So... At the time when he thought there was a time I went to my um uh this woman I liked house and all these women came on to me. He probably mm-hmm. told the story um that ten or twenty times. His friends laughed, you need to make that a movie. Mm-hmm. So then you've got this, and the way the movie ends is interesting as well, especially because the, the Christopher Scott is working in Hollywood to this day. You know, he's been working more as an editor now, not as a film director. I actually wish he did more films because I think this is a, a good start. And I wanted to see him develop from here. But yeah, I, I don't disagree with anything you said about the, the female character at all. I just know that writing for female characters is dated in general. So that's mm-hmm. definitely failing on his part. We couldn't see what he fell in love with. And if this was done today, you know, and there was just more awareness, would we see that? Would this make this a better movie? Probably. Probably. Yeah. I mean, it's,
1: you know, he, he, he had those moments, like you said, those Woody moments of, of turning to the camera and, and reminding us, remember, this is a true story. This really happened. And, you know, he goes over to, to this woman's family's house and, her best friend tries to sleep with him her sister tries to sleep with him um i feel like there was a another woman too i can't remember now but um and you know again it's it's sort of like the character motivations are the thing that's lacking in this movie that that would kind of give it some clarity you got to you, you got to give us a reason why he loves her. You've got to give us a reason why these women are coming on to him other than the, just he's there. Um, especially like the best friend character of the, the main uh, actress who's I'll just say, she's a completely stuck up bitch yeah. in this movie. And, you know, again, he's supposed to be like this, you know, he's, he's, He keeps referring to himself as homeless. He doesn't have a job, I don't think.
0: I mean, honestly, sorry, let me stop you there. This reminded me how judgy people were in the 90s. When he explains why he's homeless, by today's standards, no one would class that as homeless, really. No. He's in between jobs, in between the situation. But when they find out he's homeless, Every single woman basically calls him a waste man, yep. shit brains. And I'm like, this guy's educated. This guy's a, um, a, 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 was it a tutor assistant, a, a literary assistant in the university? He's mm-hmm. got a book deal, you know, in the works and stuff. I'm like, this, you, you know, he should be admired for having ambition. Instead, he's being torn down and said, get a real job. I heard I heard five times as maybe he can't get a real job.
1: Yeah. And then, like, I mean, so that is the 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 one thing I like about the the studio mandated happy ending, um, which is that you know basically he ends up, like you said, it's a meta thing. He makes a movie based off of this weekend that he had,
0: which is this movie we're watching.
1: (laughs) Which is they they literally just refilm the scenes, but with like different actors playing those parts, and you see the re- the quote unquote real people and the audience and they're watching it. And they're sort of like, they're embarrassed. They're angry. Yeah. yeah. You know, but you know, I mean, first of all, it all happens way too. Like what, you know, the, it says one year later and I'm like one year, it took him one year to go from like having no place to sleep at night to having made a movie and you know, it's premiering and it gets bought by a you know, big studio and everything. But it also, it was a good comeuppance to have sort of rubbed in their face how terrible they acted. But it it goes beyond. I mean, there's, you know, the the younger sister comes on to him and ends up getting him beat up again when her fiance, uh, which that was a funny moment where the fiance comes in and takes off his shirt and Lee just goes, oh, damn. <laughs> you yeah, cuz the guys just ripped. Yeah. And but I'm watching it and it's it's when I'm watching a movie where people are behaving in in a way that is so inexcusable but then it just sort of nobody comments on it. He, you know, he levels Lee, he walks up to him and just punches him. And then it's just the 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 sister runs over, "No, no, he didn't he didn't do anything. I tried to kiss him but he said no." And the guys just like, "Oh." And it's like, can, wait, no. <laughs> he doesn't apologize. It's it's almost like it's still being blamed on Lee. Yeah, All of these people are just sort of blaming everything on him. And by the end of the movie, I'm just thinking, you know, like, again, the movie's not telling me you should like these people. It's making it clear he doesn't really like these people. He maybe has a little bit of fondness, for them in a you know this was an interesting weekend of my life kind of a thing and so i remember it a little bit more fondly but i'm watching it and i'm just going these people treated you like garbage for three straight days. and you know it's like people will say to them uh you know you're nothing you can't get a job they say the worst possible things to them and then somebody says to them i need to ride somewhere It's like he's only supposed to be there for one night and they won't let him leave. And I don't know why. (laughs) Like, the character's motivations of why this family of horrible people want to keep him around, I don't understand it.
0: I think a part of it is he doesn't want to go, though. I don't want to make it sound like... I don't want it to be framed like he's just so trapped to all these horrible people. There's a part of him that doesn't want to walk away. He's got nothing to do, I guess. And he does love this woman. And he's going through that in his mind. And there's obviously a part of him that does want to go and a part of him that kind of wants to see this to the end. And, Mm -hmm. you know, people have a lot of respect for him. I feel like everyone respects him at the end of the movie. Everyone surely respects him, you know, and probably even remorseful. And that's probably the thing I like the most about the movie, the most realistic thing. I feel like at the end of the movie, he comes away, not sure if he's even happy with his life. It's like, mm-hmm. I got everything I want, right? And then yeah. it ends, and I'm just like, there you go. <laughs> there you go, buddy. You got it all. But did you really? Are you happy? And then, I'm. that's always stuck in my mind. There's, that's what I like about this movie. It's just this, you can have it all. When everything happens at the end, like one thing after another, all these things start raining on him. He just seems bewildered. Like, I'm happy, right? Mm-hmm. And then the end. And then I'm thinking, but you made this movie. What are you trying to say? Do you regret everything? that I don't know. It's just, it always kind of made me feel like this is not a usual movie. And, and even before the movie ends, right about 10 minutes before it ends, where he's asked to talk about the movie, he said, point blank, this movie is not meant to have um, uh, uh, optimistic ending I wanted this to be a realistic movie and then five minutes later he just completely turns tail on that and yeah. he's kind of bewildered by it. like I did the right thing right and I'm like that's life you make decisions right are you happy now though What's, what? I really wanted to know how things went for him now to be honest with you and it kind of put a bow it put a strange bow on this movie for me because it just feels like the movie starts, he's got nothing. The movie ends, he's supposedly got everything. Really? That is, it's, I'm like, life is strange.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, this is a movie that could absolutely benefit from like a belated 25 years later sequel.
0: Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean,
1: I'd be, you know, I, I, I'm lukewarm on this movie, but I'd be very interested to see like where he th- thinks this character ends up. Maybe it's again based on his own life to some extent. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I think that there's, th- that could be uh really interesting, but like you said, his career didn't really take off after this.
0: No, 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 um, not as a director, not at all. This,
1: no. this movie was, it, it, it had to have been a big enough deal because I knew it existed. Hmm. Uh, it's not like one of those little movies that, that uh, what was that movie that we watched with, uh, uh, no, I can't remember his name. He was the bad guy in blade. Um, oh with Stephen Dorff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Entropy. It was called Entropy. Ent- Entropy. Yeah. I never heard of that movie <laughs> yeah. until you brought it up. This movie I remember. So it was a kind of a big enough deal at the time. It you know, he sold it for a, a pretty hefty paycheck. Uh it got wide distribution, but he never really seemed to be able to capitalize on it. Well, let and me so... ask
0: you let me ask you a question, just to stop you there. When mm-hmm. the when he made the movie within the movie. Did you notice the actors playing the characters? Did you notice who they were?
1: Yes. Well, some of them. I, I, I had to really like, oh yeah, that's, is that Lauren Hill? That is Lauren Hill. Okay. <laughs> Wait, is that, is that chilly from TLC? It is chilly yes. from TLC. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah, to it, I, I was sort of staring at it for a while. Like I remember these faces. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's again. That was pretty funny. The 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 sort of all star cast that he was able to get for the movie within a movie.
0: Nia Long was the woman who played his budding love interest, and she is always been that woman in all black movies, like Love Jones, uh, The Best Man. She's all in Friday. She was the girl that uh, Debo hit in Friday as well. Nia Long. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 every single people play and i'm like and by the way the person who gave him the deal the man who was repeating everything the woman said when a woman said we're going to give you a deal and he said deal that's Babyface. face baby of a big r&b singer and he actually he did all basically the whole soundtrack to this movie as well so i'm like how did Babyface all these black musicians get behind him to help him with the movie. Maybe they saw that, you know, this isn't a ghetto movie about crime or dumb comedy. This is a movie about, you know, a man f- falling in love and coming to a family. And, you know, this is about one man's real story. They thought it was funny. I just think, why have all these people got behind it? How come this movie's on DVD all the time? How come mm-hmm. whenever I watched... Uh, modern, I, this movie is spoken about in kind, if you want to watch a black modern, you know, calm movie about just like a Woody Allen black type, watch this movie. Again, I wouldn't exactly position it as that but in the 90s how many of those movies were there? This is one of them. Yeah. And
1: it's, it's also, I mean you know, I kept thinking that it was so nice to watch a movie with an all black cast and I'm pretty sure, like, I don't think maybe, maybe at the end when they, you know, with the tacked on Hollywood ending, there's some white actors, but I think otherwise it's, an, it's a completely all black cast and there's never that moment in it. There's never the moment where somebody pulls out a gun. There isn't the moment where like the character is driving around and the cop pulls them over, you know, and gives them a hard time. There's no, it, this, these are just people living their lives. And you didn't get many movies like that
0: back then. You don't even really get many movies like that, like that now. Exactly, that's true. That's true. So even twenty yeah. years later, they do not make movies like this for an all-black cast anymore. Because I just think because they don't sell. It's not because I'm sure Netflix has one or two. I'm sure there's some indie that, but in general, we're talking about big budget success. Not even big. Let's say mid. Mid budget successes that everybody knows that maybe has actors of note it doesn't happen. Look at Denzel Washington, look at a lot of black if you look at that and now I'm going on a little run, but if you look at the most famous black actors, how many times do they really do kind of generic Woody Allen type introspective movies that are just about slice of life, modern dre dramas? It honestly, it doesn't happen which is a shame because it it would be nice because obviously there's a lot of people that live that way and we just Mm -hmm. want to see more people in that lifestyle, right? So that's another reason why I wanted to highlight this movie to show that. And I think that's probably why some people got behind it.
1: I hate to make this comparison because it it, it hasn't dated well, but uh, it's like The Cosby Show was. Uh, exactly the Cosby show was just a you know the family in the Cosby show was black but they were successful and it was never brought up it was never brought up like um, you know isn't it strange that we're uh, uh, you know successful and we live in a our neighbors are white and they don't like that we live here none of that it's just sort of like these are just these people living their lives and they're successful and they're none of them are on drugs nobody's there isn't like the the gangster boyfriend who comes in, you know. Uh, there's nobody so you know. It's just a you know a family, a, uh, just a family of people, and that doesn't happen enough. Where it's just you know got to give uh, Christopher Scott and Girard credit for that. Where it's just like he didn't feel the need to to uh, inject anything into it other than just like this is this thing that happened to me. Yeah, and you know that's that that alone it was refreshing to watch
0: yeah and james that's why i put it up so <laughs> i don't really have much more to say than that but again every time i think as i watch this movie i watch this movie today before we record about an hour before and when i first started watching it i was like eh, i don't know maybe this isn't a good but as the movie went on as it gets closer to the end and even some of the reviews say this as well it seems to when all the family stuff kind of fades away and we narrow in into these two and him as a person and i kind of liked it more and more especially his frankness his directness and the ending which i like because in my mind he kind of had it both ways because it is a happy ending but it kind of isn't Because Mm -hmm. it's about the actual film you're watching and he poses it as a question at the end, like, is this really, I I sold out, I got the girl, I won, right? The end. (laughs) And I'm like, you're asking me? (laughs) You're asking me if you won?
1: (laughs) And that's what, I mean, even that, like I said, it was, you know, he had the moment of like, I'm over this. You know, I made this movie and I'm over this and I'm in a better place. And then she, to me, that was, it was almost sinister. That moment where she, I could, I could see it in her eyes. She was like, no, you don't get to be over this. (laughs) And, you know, that, that was, that was, if, if it had ended with him completely rejecting her and, or maybe like he's with somebody else. Maybe he's got a girlfriend that, you know, is really nice to him. And she's there at the premiere of the movie with him. Yeah. That would have been, to me, this was not a, you're right. It's not a happy ending. The studio wanted the happy ending. Yeah. And we
0: got the happy ending. Exactly. <laughs> ending. Is he even happy though? That's why we want to see more. He I, he, he,
1: he seems pretty happy? miserable for being at his own premiere. He seems fairly
0: unhappy. Yeah. and. Did he do a movie after this? No! no. <laughs> he didn't do a movie after this. He wasn't. So I actually think him doing another take on this would be very interesting. But again, people would be like, that's a deep cut, you know? Mm-hmm. But I, honestly, I think even if people didn't watch the original movie and he did a movie about, I made a movie once, I met this girl once, and it fell apart. Very interesting. And I think, and right now he's an editor on... um. Um, uh, a TV series called Black Love, which is quite popular actually. Um, I really, I would really implore, man, if you list, if you're listening, Christopher Scott, which is a hundred percent, well, ninety nine percent possibility not. <laughs> if you're listening, mm. put your, put your life, do it again, put your life to cinema. More people need these kind of movies. I think the representation is good, and you know, if this discussion gets more people to check it out, then I think it's a good thing as well. Unfortunately, as James might have mentioned before, getting it on streaming was nearly impossible. You, you can find it on DVD very easily, though, all over the place. And I, in Britain, saw it on Sky all the time because I do think a lot of people realise that this is a counterpoint to all the other black cinema, the violence, the dumb comedy. This is, you know, the other option.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's sad because I think this is a victim of... There's a, there's a lot of these older Miramax movies that are in limbo right now because the ownership still belongs to Harvey Weinstein and they still own a lot of these movies yeah. and they can't like there, there's a lot of the, the older Kevin Smith movies that they produce that you can't get on DVD either and they're not streaming anywhere either. They're much more popular than have plenty and yeah. like Dogma, you can't find Dogma anywhere.
0: I heard, yeah.
1: Um, and, you know, it's it's tied up with all these legal issues. So yet another reason that we can all hate Harvey Weinstein.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, with that said, have plenty, James. Thanks for watching it. I wasn't quite sure how you would feel about it, but hey, man, if it wasn't a waste of your time, and, you know, if anyone else listening has seen the movie, please Share your thoughts and join this very small community and leave a comment in comment down below. And if you really like the movie, why don't we push the writer and director to do... Give us an update on his life because I think he knows how to do it. And, you know, a lot of the reviews I've read, especially on Tomorrow's, are very positive. They say he has got a lot of charisma, which he does. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's been in uh, entertainment for a long time. Even if he's a director, as an editor writing with black Lovers. well i think he's definitely got something to say could be wrong but sadly when the movie came out you know we wasn't in the digital age where we're now we couldn't find interviews we couldn't hear him talk about why he made this movie the construction the things he left out because i honestly think behind the scenes of making this movie would be very interesting i'll be very interested so you know
1: you so know. everybody jump on twitter and send him the link to this podcast.
0: If he's even on Twitter. But yes, do that. Do that. <laughs> so anyway, James, I'm talked out on this movie. Have you got any final thoughts before we wrap up?
1: Uh, no, other than just, like I said, I, I do think that uh, Christopher, uh, Christopher Scott Sherratt proved that he's, he's a very capable uh, director, writer, and actor. I would like to see him act in yeah. other things. So... Yeah. Uh yeah, like you said, it was a it was rough because of the other characters, but I appreciated the fact that he was self aware enough to where he was he was let he was letting us in like, I know, they're terrible. Yeah. So <laughs> I appreciated that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Called them out every step of the way. And congrats for you for getting this out. I don't know how hard it was. I don't know how many hands you had to shake. Hopefully you didn't have to do anything for Weinstein that put <laughs> you in uh a- uncomfortable <laughs> uncomfortable situation but yeah um, the movie is full of fondly by most so on that note James next time we are you know what it's been a while since I just took a request now when I was making the Jason when I was um, formulating the idea I asked a lot of people on the Woody Allen subreddit a movie they want us to talk about and James I showed you the movie the next movie we're going to talk about but I have, I have a problem pronouncing this goddamn movie. <laughs>
1: oh, God. Why
0: don't you give it a go? I can't say the first part of it. What, what is this movie we're talking about? I
1: can't, I can't say the first part of it either. Um, next time, we will be talking about a, a more little-known Charlie Kaufman movie. The movie sounds like Schenectady, New York. Yeah, but that's not how it's pronounced and I can't pronounce it <laughs> I don't think most of the characters in the movie if I remember correctly know how to pronounce it so uh, let's just say Schenectady, New York will be the next movie
0: If I can get a clip of somebody saying it I will play it on the next recording but um want to give a shout out to the star of the movie Philip Seymour Hoffman who sadly died I don't know if it's been a decade since he passed away but Phenomenal actor. Do you know? I'm gonna give you a quiz. Do you know what movie he did with Woody Allen? Hmm. <laughs> I thought I sp- no googling, no googling.
1: I can't think of. I can't think of.
0: I don't remember him popping up in a Woody Allen movie. He Which did. one was it? He did, and I'll be. I'll be honest with you, James. When I I did Google it before we did the recording, and when I saw it, I was like, really. Where was he in that? It's one of my favorite Woody Allen movies, The Curse of the Jade Scorpion. Really? Yeah. I don't I don't remember him in that. Neither, neither do I. Neither do I. <laughs> what I'll try to do is next time I'll try to get a clip of him and play it, you know, because, you know, he worked with Woody, so he's hopefully a mm-hmm. Woody fan before he passed away. Um, and I want to I want to see that. I don't think he was the bad guy in that cuz there was a lot of bad guys in Kind of a get well, it was the magician movie, right? Well, I don't know. Maybe I'll watch you know what, I think I'll watch um The Curse of J Scorpion again with my girlfriend and I don't you know. Okay.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen it in a while. Maybe I'll watch it again too, because I haven't seen that in a while.
0: Yeah, yeah, but uh Philip Stephen Hoffman was a phenomenal, dynamic actor, and I was gonna save it for next recording and say, Oh, I wish he did a movie with Woody, but I apparently he already did, so Mm. So we'll see how this movie's got a lot of movies I think we could bring up in adjacent, but this is one that was requested by us by the Woody Allen subreddit, so I haven't seen it before. You said you had. Um, I have. We'll have it. Uh, we'll give it a rewatch, and then we'll see what the conversation brings. So on that note, James, uh, where can the people reach you if they want to get in contact with you and your works?
1: Well, my books are available on Amazon, and you can find the... Uh, official Manic Expression YouTube page. Funnily enough, on YouTube.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and where can they find you on Twitter? You got a Twitter, don't you?
1: We do. We do now. It's uh, Manic Expression, but with a three instead of the e, because some asshole took Manic Expression before we could get to it. So always uh, just look up Manic Expression, but with a three instead of an e.
0: Nice, 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 nice. You can always find me. On Planet Tyrol, Twitter, and on YouTube as well, but mostly doing this podcast. This is the only podcast I'm currently doing, the Woody Allen Riches Podcast. Leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to this podcast. Thank you for listening. Leave a review. Support James. Support our podcast any way you can. Thanks for listening. And as always, we'll see you on the next recording. Take care, guys. Peace.